Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kind of being part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. How are all of my peeps doing this afternoon? I trust everybody is doing fine. Already here we have Maywood with his internet acting up. Maywood, we're going to send the masters of the internet into your domain. Anyhow, 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 anyhow. Welcome aboard, Eric Hayes. Welcome aboard, Maywood. Melanie Keelan from the word I like to say, Barcelona, Spain. Good afternoon, Melanie. Great to have you here. Likewise, 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 we have Lee Grant in the house. We have Bridge MCP, our our all-around person that really keeps the keel right. Uh, we also have Lee Grant in the house, our honest conservative. How are you doing, Lee? I trust all is well with you, my big brother. Uh, we also have Alistair Waters. La preciosa, Alistair Water. How you doing, beautiful? And let's see who else. AVQ is in the house. The handsome demoneer, El Senor. Hey, uh, did you ever send me a picture with you on that T-shirt? Yeah, I think I did. I think I did post that. That's right. All right. We also have Michael Rudnan, of course. And let's see. Yvette. Hey, let's all give Yvette Avery Herod a big hand. She was the first one to chime into the chat. Yvette, numero uno, we need to send you a, a sticker. We need to send you a sticker. Drop me a line and I'll go ahead. And I don't know if I already sent you one of these, but I'll send you, send you a Politics Done Right bumper sticker that you can put anywhere, on the windows, anywhere. Mine's on my window. And you know what was the greatest thing? I don't remember what city I went to, but I think the only reason I saw it is that they came around close to the convention. So I think it was in Philadelphia. I think it was in Philadelphia. This guy came out and said, Egberto, guess what I saw on the streets? And he said, what? I saw a politics done right bumper sticker out of state. He got excited, man. You know, then, uh, of course, I see quite a few of them every so often in Houston, Texas. But I love seeing this stuff. Anyway, folks, don't forget, uh, if you want a bumper sticker, give me a shout. Send me your email, email me your um, your address uh, at your address. At uh, e, uh, send it to info at politicsunright.com and I'll, I'll, I'll mail you out a sticker, a bumper sticker for your car. Uh, I'll send it by regular mail for you. All right, let's see who else did I miss? Did I miss anybody? Gold star, exactly. Gold star for Yvette. And I hope, Eric, that fire is for Yvette saying power on to Yvette, power on to Yvette. Okay, Michael, I asked him yesterday and he said yes. Well, who did you ask what? Uh, let's see. Anyway, let me go ahead and start reading from the top. We have three good videos for you, but let's go and get started. The restream bot on Twitch still down. Madre mía, ¿qué es lo que pasando con esa gente? I need to find out, but you know I don't have control over the, rest the restream agent. Okay, let's go down the line. Go down the line. I don't think I missed anybody yet. Eric says, why should someone be punished because they no longer agree with the side they once were? Uh, I am not going to watch that reel now, but I may look at it later on. But there's there's actually, I want to cover that though, Eric. I don't know what, in what context you're mentioning that, but that's a very important thing that you just said there. I'm going to repeat. Why should someone be punished because they no longer agree with the side they were once on? And I'm going to throw this back at my conservatives. Uh, and, I, and it goes this way. 
I've always been fairly progressive. And as I grow older, I've become even more progressive, more liberal. Because of how I was reared, and I've told this story, many of you hear it. Please forgive me if it's a repetitious story, but there are many other people that come into our fold that haven't. When I came to this country, I would have to consider myself a very sexist person. When I came to this country, I have to consider myself a very homophobic person. That is something intrinsic to being a black Latin American Caribbean person in Panama from Colón. Okay? That is a common characteristic. That is how I was reared. You know, so when I say that a lot of my friends are racist or a lot of my friends are this or a lot of my friends are that, I mean that from the heart. And do I really immediately hold it against them? No, not while they are ignorant. I try to imply knowledge that people, others have implied, imparted onto, impart knowledge onto others who have imparted knowledge onto me. And after we have attempted to impart knowledge, if after making that pretty clear, you're still a homophobe, a sexist, or whatever, a racist, something is wrong with you. That means you're, you're, you're mentally defective. But anyway, coming back to the full, bringing me as the subject here, Egberto as the subject, I can beat up on Egberto without a problem. I was a buffoon. I was an idiot. I was an ass. To have been an homophobe, that's what it made me. To be a sexist, that's what it made me. But I was then taught and I was ready to receive that the ways that I was before were wrong. Now, to get specifically to Eric's statement, because it's a true statement, I haven't looked at the video, but I'm going to make assumptions. Why should someone be punished because they no longer agree with the side they once were? With a lot of the Panamanian folks and Caribbean folks and Latinos, we are, we are doing our thing. And they would pass some crack jokes about gays or they will make some sort of a misogynistic comment. And normally, I'm a part of this group. And normally, we are jiving, laughing, and all of that in our ignorance. Now. As I got educated, as I moved from how I was reared, I didn't just listen to those things quietly. I engaged. I'm like, do you know how stupid that is to say that about gay people? Do you know that? And then I go into, an, into the fold and explain, not attack, explain. And then Many would push back. Who the hell do you think you are? You are you you used to be one of us. What happened to you? No, I don't want you. You, uh, I, I'm not going to allow you to punish me. I'm not going to lose you as a friend because that's what you are, and friends stick together. But I'm going to make sure that as long as we are in our circles, by the hook or the crook. You are not going to be homophobic in my presence. You are not going to be sexist or misogynistic in my presence. We are going to treat humanity appropriately. So therefore, to answer your question, Mr. Hayes, I, while many in the early days of my transition 
would have attempted to punish me, I flipped that punishment to ensure that instead of being punished, they either paid the price or they changed. Uh, Bridge, yeah, yesterday I just needed, when I was speaking about my daily coast scenario, I just wanted to vent and I also wanted to make people know what is going on in the progressive media space as well, that all it's not all that it seems, that even in our progressive space, the, the, the pulls of capitalism and having to stay alive because you put yourself in a position that made you depe- so dependent on the plutocracy that you had to abide by them vis-a-vis just about every news station that I put on, that I take clips out of, the reason I use their clips is that many of those things have to be modified to reality. So, no, I, 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 I'm having a great day. And the greatest part of my day is when I'm with you guys anyway. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Paravet, paravet, paravet. AVQ says, are you seeing anything from FB or YouTube? That, you, you guys figure that out. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Today, Tuesday, December 5th. Uh, CCB Peace and Justice Congregation since 1920 had awesome live online event, the Israeli Genocide of Gaza, featuring Professor Sami Al-Aryan for nearly 1,800 viewers. Man, would I like to have 1,800 viewers in real time? Maybe sometime I will. Maybe sometime I will. All right. Uh, if you guys share it enough, if you guys share it enough. All right, we also have Lee Grant says there are a lot of evangelicals in the U.S. 2014 Pew Research Survey of Religious Life in the United States reported 25.4% of the population were evangelical, while Roman Catholics were 20.8 and mainline Protestants 14.7. Yep, and it, you know uh, this this guy who wrote the book that I'm quoting here, he specifically was talking about white evangelicals, okay? And there's a specific thing to white evangelicals there's a specific uh framing for that for that particular identity all right uh let's see what else we're here let's see let's see uh michael rodney says a rapid decline of white evangelical america new data suggests a bigger decrease than previously understood including in the gop while 22 percent of americans 65 percent over or white evangelicals that number is just seven percent of those between the age of 18 and 29. Rude awakening, isn't it? Thank you for that one, uh, Mr. Rudnan. Uh, let's see. Uh, so you shouldn't use a broad brush labeling people evangelicals as a pejorative. I am not using evangelicals as a pejorative Lee Grant. I'm using evangelical as an identity. Okay, not a pejorative, just one of our many identities. That's all. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Egberto. Why would someone be able to espouse killing someone's family on your show this morning? Actually, you know, I, I hope you, you, first of all, I hope you understand the context in which this person said it. And also because I thought it was, it would not have been understood by most what he was saying in sort of a, sort of a, uh, um, in a different way. You can go listen to the tape again. I immediately. I immediately said, no, in a civilized society, we don't do that. What he was trying to imply was police officers don't know the pain that they leave on families when their loved ones are killed. 
and meth, uh, uh, what is it? Metaf- metaphorically, using a metaphor, he was trying to say a police officers felt the pain that families feel when they inflict that murderous killing on others. They would uh, they would be able to empathize. That's what the that's what the caller was attempting to put out there. He wasn't trying to say, let's go out and kill them. It was if they could feel what that person who was killed, that family, what they feel, what what Tiffany felt when Tiffany, you know, and, and Eric, this is something that that gets me that concerns me about you right now, my brother. We had a mother on my show this morning. I was going to play the tape, but I had too many clips to play today. And that clip was fairly long, but I'm going to likely play that tomorrow. Tiffany, the police in Houston murdered Tiffany's son. Our district attorney ensured that that police officer was no build, meaning he walked. Okay, our district attorney made that police officer walk. That uh, mother came on my show this morning at KPFT and she cried. You could see the genuine pain for the murder that occurred or kid where kid's birthday was this weekend. And you could see what she felt. Let me tell you what concerns me about empathy and many on the right, including my brother, Eric here. Eric couldn't start the show with, couldn't say the message in this form. And I, it, it, it behooves me that he didn't. Egberto, that show this morning, I felt for the mother who lost her daughter. I felt for her. I don't necessarily know the entire story, but I felt for the mother who lost her son. Uh, the caller that, that suggested that police officers should lose a family member, what's about that? But he had no empathy for the mother at all. The only thing Eric could see was a comeback that said, Hey, that guy called and said the officer should lose somebody in his family. Eric, can you see the lack of humanity in your statement? You should. If not, you should. And I don't want to hear anything about it. You should. That woman is going through a lot of pain. And that all you could see is for the officer who went through no pain but had killed her son, had knocked out the eye out of a socket of another person was indicted and then Kim Ag allowed him to walk again on that one, that you could see that. Speaks more about you, my dear brother. All right. Uh, let's see what else we have. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, Alistair Waters, I didn't, not a comment. Uh, Michael says, you'll pardon me, but I do use evangelical as a pejorative. Most of them clearly haven't read their book. Evangelicals polled keep saying they want the opposite of Jesus. Core, heal the sick, feed the hungry, treat the neighbor, the poor with love. Yeah, Jesus wasn't a xenophobe at all. He was not a xenophobe at all. All right, let's see. Let's see what else we got here. Now, let's continue. I'm going to play the first video. The first video is about. Uh, Pramila Jay. Well, I'll just go ahead and play it and then we'll take it on the other side. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started with our videos. Uh, Pramila Jayapal, chair of the Progressive Caucus in uh, Congress, was interviewed by Dana Bash, CNN's Dana Bash. And let me just say this 
I, I kind of felt for Dana Bash because this was clearly not her question. This question likely came from uh, the, her producers who were trying to set a narrative to try to further mislead the American people about what's really going on in Israel. Now, the question about rape came in. And as we all know, progressives in Congress and throughout the country, they are upset with what's going on in Gaza. What they want is a ceasefire. They don't, they're not defending Hamas. They're not trying to say that Hamas's terroristic act of killing 1,200 uh, Israelis was correct. That was absolutely not the case. But likewise, as Obama said, there is blood on everybody's hands in these conflicts. Now, that said, uh, she brought up, Dana Bass brought up the issue of the, 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 the Hamas terrorists raping women. A horrendous thing. Okay, but it's also horrendous to be cutting people's heads off. It's also horrendous to be bombing buildings where young kids' skulls are cracked and women and children and men are all blasted away. Right. So all these are bad things. All these things are a part of war. Why it is that progressives are saying ceasefire. Let's do things some other way. You don't want you don't want to kill people left and right just to get the individual terrorists that are around them. You want to contain the issue. And if you if you had any a modicum of humanity, what you would do is in effect contain your terrorists to prevent these things from happening over and over again. Something that Israel did not do. Remember Netanyahu uh, uh, turned the other eye he facilitated the ability for Hamas to get funded because he wanted Hamas sufficiently alive to be a to be in opposition to the Palestinian Authority, so there would be no negotiations for a two-state solutions. Not my word, the word from the newspaper Haaretz in Israel, as well as tapes that we had between um, Netanyahu and his Likud party. These are statements of fact. The, uh, additionally, we have to remember that while the United States is providing funding for Israel, he goes and he tells his people, hey, guys, uh, we can control the Americans. We can do whatever we want. Look, America didn't want me to invade Gaza, and I did it anyway. The only solution, the only way you can ensure that we don't get a two-state solution, this is him, him talking to his right-wing uh, party and the, the right. The only way you can ensure that there is no two-way, two-state two solution is that you keep me in power. I am the only one who can do that. Sounds Trump-like, right? Sounds very Trump-like. So that is what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with Netanyahu, who is leading the Israeli people astray, and he's, he's creating more problems for our Jewish brothers and sisters by being the terrorist animal that he is. Nobody can look at killing 15,000 people and saying you still have much more to go as far as bombing 
is concerned. And now the, the great thing about this interview that we did, uh, that, that Dana Bass did with uh, uh, Pramila Jayapal is that when she tries to turn the subject into something that she thinks is going to let Americans say, oh, my God, you mean Hamas came into Israel and raped women? Yes, that's a bad thing. But Pramila turned it right around and said, we claimed it's a bad thing, but it's also a bad thing what we're doing. There are 15,000 dead Palestinians. Yes, there are 1,200 dead Israelis. Terrible. But there are 15,000 dead Palestinians and counting. There is destroyed infrastructure and counting. They, they are moving all these people in the space of Las Vegas. All the Palestinian people are are said to stuff in that area. And then we're going to bomb that area. So go go somewhere else. And when Dana Bash tries to come back, she says, we're not going to talk about the hierarchy of oppression, which Dana Bash finally agreed with. I want you to listen to this interview. We need spokespeople for humanity, spokespeople for the truth, spokespeople that or a political with respect to humanity as we had out of Pramila Jayapal. Listen to this, and then we'll take it on the other side. I want to ask you about uh, sexual violence. And the it's kind of remarkable that this issue hasn't gotten enough attention uh, globally. Widespread use of rape, uh, brutal rape, sexual violence against Israeli women by Hamas. Um, I've seen a lot of progressive women, generally speaking, they're quick to defend women's rights and speak out against using rape as a, as a weapon of war. But downright silent on what we saw on October 7th and what might be happening inside Gaza right now to these hostages. Why is that? I, I mean, I don't I don't know that that's true. I think we, we always talk about the impact of war on women in particular. In fact, I remember 20 years ago, I did a petition around the war in Iraq. And you said saying that you talked about it. Since oh, October absolutely. 7th? And I've condemned what Hamas has done. I've condemned Specifically all of women. the actions. Absolutely. The, the rape, the of course. But I think we have to remember that. Israel is a democracy. That is why they are a strong ally of ours. And if they do not comply with international humanitarian law, they are bringing themselves to a place that makes it much more difficult strategically for them yeah. to be able to build the kinds of allies to keep public opinion yeah. with them. And frankly, uh, morally, I think we cannot say that one war crime deserves another. That is not what international humanitarian with, with, law says. Okay, with, with respect, I was just asking about the the women and you turned it back to Israel. I'm asking you about Hamas. In fact, I already answered your question, Dana. I, I said it's horrific. And okay. I think that rape is horrific. Sexual assault is horrific. I think that it happens in war situations. Terrorist organizations like Hamas obviously are using these as tools. Mm -hmm. However, I think we have to be balanced about bringing in the outrages against Palestinians. Yeah. 15,000 Palestinians have been killed in Israeli airstrikes, three quarters of whom and it's, are women and children. And it's horrible, but you're, you don't see Israeli soldiers raping um, Well, Dana, I think women. we're not, we're not, I, I don't want this to be the hierarchy of oppressions. Right. I think 15,000 people be. have been killed. It shouldn't Palestinians. be, and it, which is horrible. 2.2 million Palestinians live 
in a 140 square mile area, mm-hmm. which is about the size of Las Vegas with a population that is four times that of Las Vegas and, and 1.8 million Palestinians right now are displaced. But- they are living in shelters. They are being told to move to South Gaza. Then South Gaza is being bombed. Yep. They're being told to move to North Gaza. There are no homes left. Yep. The vast majority of infrastructure has been destroyed. This is not the way that we are going to beat terrorism, whether it's Hamas or some On future that- iteration of Hamas. Dana Bash, I guess after realizing that she lost that point that she was trying to the narrative change. She said something that I found striking. You don't find Israeli soldiers raping Palestinian women. The truth of the matter is, I don't know that. I do know that the videos I see of how Israeli uh, uh, soldiers treat uh, women in both the West Bank and Gaza is kicking women in their heads when they, if they're protesting and treating them like animals. I, I tell you something. As this dude from Latin America, we we had seen a man kick a woman like that, a soldier. It's jarring. And that's what I saw on several of these videos. And we should remember, let's not get onto this super moral high ground, because a lot of our soldiers during the Vietnam War, as it got out of hand and they invaded these little communities, uh, that is exactly what they did as well. So look. War is terrible, and it, re- it, it reiterates what Pramila Jayapal talks about. We need a ceasefire. Pramila Jayapal, Representative Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, nailed it. She did not allow a narrative change based on false emotions. Rape is horrendously terrible. And progressives are against it just as much as bombing and killing of 15,000 women, children and men, including hospitals, is unforgivable. Netanyahu must go and we must work towards, at minimum, a two-state solution. Absolutely so. Absolutely so. Bridge MPP, MCP. Rejoice in the birth of brown-skinned, Middle Eastern, undocumented immigrant. Well, I read it wrong. Rejoice in the birth of a brown-skinned, Middle Eastern, undocumented immigrant. Isn't that Jesus Christ? Aren't we talking about Jesus Christ? You know, it's funny because that's who he is. But they wouldn't want to bring him into America right now at all. Good catch, Breach. Good catch, Breach. Michael says, Egberto, Biden's foreign policy keeps calling for pauses. What's the difference between a pause and a ceasefire? Not a bit of a difference, sir. Let's get this. You know we have a problem when doing the right thing requires you using words that seem less peaceful. A pause means that you are likely to continue thereafter a ceasefire says stop, but it doesn't necessarily say you're not going to start back. It just says stop. A pause also says stop with the implication that you're going to start back. That's the difference, though. But again, what Biden wants is a ceasefire. He wants a stop, but he can't say it. Well, he can if he wanted to. He will get all the young people on board. 
but the military industrial complex and APAC won't allow him to do it. Sad, but that's the case. All right, let's see what else we got here. Bridge has a long one here. Let's see. A democratic decline has taken place globally and an increasing number of people are living closed autocracies. The report that is now being released shows that this trend is continuing and that the world has not been more anti-democratic in 35 years. The level of democracy enjoyed by the average world citizen in 2022 is back to 1987-86 levels. This means that 72% of the world's populations, 5.7 billion, live under authoritarian rule, according to Stefan Al Lindbergh. Director of the VDEM Institute, the democratic decline has been most dramatic in the Pacific region, Eastern Europe, Central Asia, Latin America, and the Caribbean. But the number of countries in the world that are currently experiencing democratic setback or autocratization has greatly increased over the past 10 years from 13 to 42 countries between 20, 2002 and 2022, which is the highest figure measured by VDEM to date. We're going to have to stop that trend. Uh, but he says, my cable will replace outdated modems and routers for free. Should be a few years. <laughs> okay, let's say what else we got here. E2247 says, I neglected to say anything about claims that Hebrew persons drink baby Christian blood and feast on their bodies. Do not believe that propaganda either. No, we must not believe propaganda at all. All right. Uh, Michael says, Rodden, that is, we already know that Hamas is horrible. If I could exterminate all Hamas terrorists without harming any Palestinian civilians, I would. The way Israel is fighting Hamas involves so much collateral damage. We can't support that ceasefire. Haaretz, the scope of Hamas campaign of rape against Israeli women is revealed, testimony after testimony. The aggregation of evidence collected by Dr. Kochav E. El Kayam, Leva and her civil commission represents a horrifying picture that leaves no room for doubt. On October 7, Hamas terrorists systematically carried out acts of rape and sexual abuse. She has discovered, however, that there is no rush to acknowledge this abroad. I acknowledge it. I acknowledge that Hamas went into Israel and did all the bad things terrorists do when they go into a place. They rape, they murder, they pilfer, they cut, I mean, they do all that is bad. Everything that is bad, they do it. Those 1,200 women, women, children, they went through in Swiss Saint Panama, Paramo. They went through hell. But that's who they are. What the IDF is doing in Gaza isn't war because war assumes you have somebody that's, that's comparable to fight. It is a genocide because you are attacking people, civilians. I know you say you're trying to take out the tunnels, but the tunnels are under buildings. That's why they're tunnels. That's why they're tunnels. You really want to take, look, there is so much that Israel could do differently, right? Let's say, let, let, let's, let's just give an example here. They want to weed these people out of tunnels, right? What can you do then? All right. Israel is a master powerful country. You still have control in Gaza. You know where some ton major tunnels are. 
secure certain beachheads, run pipes, secure those pipes, and flood the tunnels. Everybody will, everybody, the people and the rats are going to run out of tunnels, right? And as they, as they do that, you have your drone, drones that's controlled by human beings, knock the people off that need to be knocked off. I mean, they're in high technology with high dent. There are different ways to think about these things. If you truly value life, it'll take longer. It will take a whole lot more. But there are things to do. There are things to do. But that has never been what it's about. It's about money. It's about oil. It's about control. It's about making sure there's never a two-state solution because all the spoils of the Galilee, all the spoils of the entire area, you get it. All right, let me continue uh, Continue with the program. Para ver, para ver, para ver. What else we got here from our great people? Tom Sarnik. You know, he just stopped the program cold because he has a limerick. Let's go with Tom's new limerick. <clears throat> got to get the voice ready for the limerick. George Santos for years lied without pause, stole money, broke many campaign laws from Congress, finally fired, but soon was once more hired at a mall lying to kids at Santa Claus. <laughs> How the hell did you come up with that one, uh, Mr. Zarnik? That's another good one, Zarnik. That's another, another great one, as usual. As usual. Let's see. He would be an immigrant, eh? Jesus was an immigrant. He went into another area, right? Into uh, where he where where stood his manger. All right, Wall Street Journal: Israel waste plan to flood Gaza tunnels with seawater. Move would drive out Hamas fighters, but threatens to foul Gaza's fresh water supply and damage infrastructure. If they do it with seawater, but you can flood it with fresh water, right? Again, like I said, it'll cost more. Seawater is the expedient way to do it. Flood it with fresh water. Don't use that as an excuse. Listen, let me tell you something about if you take a look at tunnels, right? If you're a, let's go into a little bit of engineering here. If you build these tunnels within the floodplain, which it seems to me that they are within the floodplain, all those tunnels are surrounded by water within the not the floodplain the the water table they are they are within the water table <clears throat> that's why i remember what those people were saying the, the people who were in the tunnels they talked about how damp it was and all of that and if you take a look at the structure of the tunnel you see there there are cement walls around sort of to keep out the water from coming the same way they build they do case hole well drills i mean well holes or or oil wells etc they have to put the cement to stop the to separate the water table from the oil structures, etc. Right? That's what these these are well designed tunnels, right? So they are correct. Israel is right when they, if they if they say you put salt water in there, you can pollute the groundwater. That's true. But who says you have to do it with salt water? You don't. And it's not again. Listen to what I'm saying, Radnin. It's not wasted because if you blow. If you blow holes in the cement in those tunnels, those tunnels will naturally fill with water, groundwater. 
Okay, they don't. It's it, it, it's such it's such. I mean, the media depends on such a lack of not people not knowing things. Who said you had to flood it with seawater? Flood it with fresh water. How can you flood it with fresh water? Hey, the water is going to be there anyway, right? Because again, you have that groundwater. Remember, if you even read the Bible days, how deep the tunnel, how deep the wells were, etc. So you're prob- a lot of those tunnels are probably below the water table. So they will naturally flood if you get rid, if you break some of those framings, if you break some of the seals, right? The concrete seals. Remember, and how do I know that? Just listening to the news. What did the news say? A lot of places, these people were in the tunnels. A lot of the tunnels, they were so damp. 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 What does that tell you? They are at the water table or close to the water table. That's all. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, let's, uh, let's continue with our program. Our next one here is what I call... Why let's let's do the evangelical piece first and then we'll take it from there. We'll do the evangelical piece first. Here we go. Recently, one of Politics Done Right listeners pointed out in a chat, how comes evangelicals, people that seemingly should have nothing in common with a heathen like Donald Trump would give him their unadulterated support? And we kind of went back and forth with some reasons why. And what do I see recently on uh, MSNBC with uh, <laughs> Stephanie Rule? I want you to listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side. Back in 2016, Donald Trump won the election with 77 percent of a group you might not expect, the white evangelical Protestant vote. After four years in office, that number grew. In 2020, he won 84 percent of their vote. My next guest was raised Christian and is the son of an evangelical pastor who spent years trying to figure out why and how the evangelical movement got where we are today. I'm thrilled to welcome Tim Alberta, my friend and staff writer for The Atlantic, his new book, A Must Read, The Kingdom, The Power and the Glory. American Evangelicals in the Age of Extremism. It is out tomorrow. Tell our viewers what got you started writing this book because you went home to mourn and eulogize your father. Yeah, that's right. So my, my dad was a pastor and, uh, and I grew up in the church. The church was my home. And, you know, I've walked with Jesus uh, since I was a little boy for as long as I can remember. And mm-hmm. I still do. And uh, when my dad died, I went home for the funeral and it just so happens that he died right after my first book had come out, which was uh, pretty harsh, uh, pretty critical of Donald Trump. And when I got home uh, for the viewing at the church, um, I had people confronting me and wanting to argue about in politics. Church. Yeah. Dad's in a box and we're in church in, in the sanctuary. So then and there, yeah, people wanted to talk politics. Didn't want to just talk politics, wanted to argue politics, wanted to argue Trump. Next day, when I issued a bit of a rebuke, because I was so bothered by that when I delivered the eulogy a day later at his funeral, then things got even a little bit worse. I was, uh, I was handed a note from an elder in the church, somebody who I'd known since I was a little kid, basically telling me that I should be ashamed of myself, that I was a part of the deep state, that I was, um, undermining God's ordained leader of this country, Donald Trump. And there are moments in life when a problem that has been sort of an abstraction 
something that you know is not quite right, but you just don't have the time or the energy or the inclination to really address it, suddenly it becomes real and it becomes urgent and almost threatening in a way. And, and this was that moment. For me. But what was it about Donald Trump, right? When you think back to the evangelical church, what they care about, their values, right? There is no alignment with Donald Trump, the man, except, of course, he said, let's get rid of abortion. Was that it? I think it was a few things. I think abortion is uh, in many ways the entry point. I think it's almost uh, fair to characterize it as a gateway drug for many evangelicals. What I mean by that is that uh, if you are a church-going evangelical Christian uh, and you are taught, if you are discipled in the church to realize that partisan politics are not the end-all be-all, that that is ultimately not the arena where you are called to invest all of your passions. But abortion for many of these folks is not a political issue. It is an ethical issue. It is a moral issue. It is a spiritual issue. So they sort of, you know, they create a permission structure to invest in that issue of abortion. But suddenly, Stephanie, when you invest so heavily in that issue of abortion, then the red team becomes your allies. The blue team becomes your enemies. And then suddenly all of these other proxy wars that, that pop up over all kinds of other policy issues, they become not R versus D, red versus blue, becomes good versus evil. And, and if you start assigning that to other partisan disputes and this guy, Donald Trump, who shares none of your values, but he's really? willing, he's willing to go to war for you. He's willing to fight for you. In fact, I would even say he's willing to fight for you in ways that no good Christian ever would. Right. Remember when George W. Bush said that in order to save the free market, he first had to jettison free market principles. Yes, I remember. There's something to that idea here where for some Christians, they came to believe that to protect Christian virtue in this country, the first step was to jettison Christian virtue and embrace this guy, Donald Trump. Okay, but there's a line in the book that took me. One pastor told you that more of his parishioners could recite the Second Amendment than the Second Commandment. He said that the problem with many of the evangelicals is that they now worship America. What? Yeah. What does that even mean? Well, I'll tell you exactly what it means. Um, You've heard the term bandied about Christian nationalism, right? And, and different people have different definitions, interpretations. I think it's very much worth understanding that there are millions and millions and millions of people in this country who truly do believe deep down in their bones that America is not just another nation, that America is a covenant nation, that it is a nation that it is in special relationship with God, and that therefore fighting for America is fighting for God. Now, that is blatantly anti-biblical. It, it is just, it is, I cannot emphasize just um, how bad the theology behind that thinking is. Because in fact, we as Christians are told again and again and again, Old Testament, New Testament, that our kingdom, our citizenship is in heaven. Here is the deal. Uh, they can use, evangelical Christians can use any excuse, including the author of this book, because I think even as this, the author of this book was being critical, he wanted to give an out to evangelical Christians. The truth of the matter is this. I do give an out to the rank and file evangelical Christians who are following their shepherd, but I do not give a pass to the shepherds, to the pastors, to the, to the leaders. 
Because these are the guys shepherding their sheep. These are the guys leading these people to hell. These are the guys who are misleading their folk into believing that somehow a heathenous, uh, racist, misogynist, sexist, uh, homophobic person like Donald Trump could somehow be someone that Jesus, that their God sanctioned them or sanctioned to have them be led by. So again, it's only, it's the leadership of the evangelical movement who have created that pathway, that psychological pathway to have these people believe everything anathema to the Bible, that somehow a Donald Trump can really represent them no matter what evil he does. The xenophobe, something that Jesus never stood for, became their leader above and beyond their own pastors, their own shepherds. Think about that and think how dangerous those minds are. And that's why we have so much work to do. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Uh, Bruce Baller, Daniel Edo, Eric, uh, Paul Fleming, uh, Melissa Bowie. Melissa, I haven't heard you call in and say your piece in the morning. Are you still sleeping? Uh, we've been missing you. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Uh, I don't think I have any new people. I don't think I have any new people other than those four that I just called in. I want to talk about Paul. Paul Fleming said, uh, Kellogg raised prices 14% in Q2 2022 to Q2 2023. The company then reported better than expected profits and execs shared plans to spend more on stock buybacks and larger dividends. Newsflash, corporations have been using inflation as to squeeze more money out of you. Let's put that in context, Brother Fleming. The, your kid loved those Kellogg cereals. Those sugary, tasty Kellogg cereals you buy for them every day. And you go to the store and it's 14% higher. By the way, it's higher than inflation. 14% higher. That is the corporation telling you, I can charge you whatever I want to. Good afternoon, Brenda. How can I be of assistance to you? Welcome to Politics Done Right. I guess, Brenda, you are a fax machine. Anyhow, <clears throat> anyhow, anyhow, anyhow. So as, as uh, Paul pointed out, that is, what we call a, that is what we call legalized theft. Legalized theft. It is legal what they did. They then blame the government for the inflation. You know, guys like Ledo, Brother Ledo, and Brother A's are going to say, look at what's happening under Biden. No, what's happening is the corporation decided to make you a sucker. The corporation said, I am going to raise the prices because I can. I already have your kid addicted to those Frosty Flakes and all these other Kellogg products. I'm going to charge more, blame it on inflation so you can blame 
you can blame brother uh, uh, Biden, but then go ahead and tell the stockholders, hey, we've doubled your profits and we're going to buy back stocks, which are going to cause the stock prices to zoom up. So that it's a it's the legal way the rich steals from the middle class and from all of us. It is the it is capitalism. That's what it does. That is when you hear me talk about the economic system. That's what I mean. That one paragraph from Fleming describes exactly the pain Americans are feeling. And it's not caused by government. It's caused by the private corporations. Government could solve it by regulating them and saying you can't do certain things or naming certain things as commodities like taking energy and certain parts out of the economy and leaving the things that are that you know that you don't need to survive leave that into the capitalist market a lot of solutions not many people with balls to do it or with ovaries to do it okay michael you have a long one uh, let's see egberto long comment hope you can read it all like evangelicals made a devil's bargain with trump trading faith for political power while failing on perceived persecution complexes and now that trump is shown to be losing contender that they've got remorse meantime conservatives will complain about losing church attendance membership ever consider that involving yourself in politics by way of politics that would be abhorrent to jesus core message of feeding the poor healing the sick being kind to your neighbor, welcoming the immigrant or refugee, being forgiven, not vengeful, is the reason why a majority of the American people are no longer attending church services. Yeah, mixing religion and politics is an anti-American idea that's causing a lot of your woes. Yeah, because they don't look anything like Jesus. Nada como Jesucristo. No se ven nada como Jesucristo. Se ven como criminales. Eso está bien. Eso está bien. Now, when it comes to I wanted to read something that brother, uh, let's see. Bruce Pollard says, Uncle Sam's cereal is same price. <laughs> Some cereal like oatmeal is good. Uh, let's see what else we got now. Robert Davenport cannot believe we have not permanently banned LaDouche yet. The vile, vile, he spews is filthy. Know what we do, Robert, is ignore. Robert, you know, when somebody craves attention and they don't get it, you know, it withers and dies or it just stays spewing venom that is that that we are all inoculated against. Remember that, brother. Remember that Um, the last video I have to show about Democrats. I'll do it tomorrow because it seems like you No, actually, it looks like I do have time to do it. So let's go ahead and do that last video real quick and then we'll take it on the other side. Let's go ahead and do that. You know, I love Donna Brazil. Donna Brazil is a good Democrat, a good moderate Democrat. But if Democrats want to win, they're going to have to start playing uh, on the right field. They're going to have to stop bringing, what do they say, a knife to a gunfight? They're going to have to stop that. Because I tell you what, Republicans always come prepared. They come prepared with misinformation, but they come prepared. I want you to listen to this clip. I want you to listen to the former RNC chair as well. And then let's take it on the other side, because Donna Brazil, maybe she only had a minute or so to answer, but there were perfect answers for her to give as opposed to saying, well, you listen to what she said and then we'll take it on the other side. It has to be a choice between 
Joe Biden and Donald Trump, whatever you think about Joe Biden, they know that that's the way that they can they can win this. Except here's their big problem. If they want to make this election about Trump, there's going to be Biden and Trump. And then there's going to be a couple other non-Trump candidates that are going to be on the ballot. So you make this about Trump. I think it plays in perfectly into how this election is moving forward because they're not going to, if people don't want to go to Biden, they're going to say, oh, here's Cornell West. Oh, here's the, uh, the Jill Stein. Here's the no labels. Hey, candidate. you're totally comfortable going to the election with a, with a candidate who's been accused of 91 felonies. Um, well, you, I'm comfortable if, if that's what the Republican party wants to move forward with. Sure. 110%. I would take Donald Trump over Joe Biden every single day of the week, no problem, because where this country has gone and how far we've gone downhill in the last three years is a place that yeah. most Republicans aren't willing to go. And if well, and if they're that worried about it, then go get a different candidate if you think that you if Joe Biden you know, is so I vulnerable. recognize that Joe Biden might not be might not be your cup of tea or even your bowl of soup, but you know what he is? He's somebody who's steady, somebody who understands the issues, and somebody who's fighting for America. America I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. Thank you all very much. When Donna Brazil came out, I said, but he's steady. He's steady at the wheel. You know, uh, that's not what America wanted to hear. America wanted to hear right away. As soon as he went ahead and says, well, you mean, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Stephanopoulos left the door open. You mean you are willing to accept Donald Trump, the guy with all these problems as your, your bearer, the bearer of the Republican mantra. And he says, well, if the Republicans choose him, of course, we will take him any day over what Biden has done. Look, you don't have to love Biden. You don't have to love that Biden isn't as progressive as you are, but he's pretty, he, he got a whole lot of stuff done for people on the low end as well, but check it out. You know, the, the first thing you come out and said is, yeah, let's put Donald Trump's record for the middle class and the poor against the, uh, Biden. Let me tell you what we did for the middle class and then tell me why it is that your people don't like it. And the fact is that your guy didn't do it. And he said he isn't going to do it going forward. Let's take the fight to them as opposed to having to defend. Well, you know, Biden is steady at the wheel. I don't care if Biden is steady at the wheel. And to put it bluntly, he's not all that steady at the wheel with his support for uh, Netanyahu uh, without questions at all. Well, not without questions. They're they're starting to question Netanyahu. But again, let's be clear here. If you want to win this fight, you have to be aggressive and you have to go out there and take it. You can't allow I wanted to stop and break in because we're running out of time. You guys can finish watching that uh, video. It's going to be linked in the blog. But I want everybody here to go ahead and watch this uh, particular. Let me go ahead and get the, the link for it. I want you guys to watch this. You know, when I talk about whenever we unite, uh, whenever we unite the barrios, the ghettos and Appalachia, we would have won. I want, I want, this is some, a, a, a thing you get to see. It's called Deep Appalachia. Watch this thing because I couldn't but feel the humanity that is missing all around, right? And I, I want you guys to watch that. It's about an hour and change. It's worth the watch. The, the, the degeneracy that's occurring in Appalachia, the similarities that all low, all uh, economically deprived areas are, same problems. You find no matter what the community is, 
a minority community or, or, or a, a, a people of color community, white community, they all share the same thing when it comes to social economics. What happens to the society? This guy, this one show, this one program shows you a part of white America most people never see. My daughter drove into the area and she was in shock. And the reason I want you to see this, I'm coming to you about that bridge. The reason I want you to see that is because it will give, it should give thinking people, people with hearts, some empathy for all Americans because all of us in a particular state suffer the same thing. And all of it is caused by our corporate state. All of it is caused by the corporations and what they have done, community after community. It's never about people. It's always about the mighty dollar. Just watch this documentary, please. Now, Bridge, I did see they brainwashed my dad long time ago. Uh, it's a, it, it is a great documentary. How this woman's father, it was, I forgot about it, but I, I saw that long time ago. Uh, I want to also address something from, uh, from Lee Grant. Lee Grant said, why didn't I mention about the woman who appeared on my show this morning, who the Houston police officer killed? Why didn't I mention that her son had three felonious warrants? Well, Donald Trump has 91 felonious uh, warrants that were out for him. Do you ever hold that against him, given that he hasn't been tried yet? But the fact of the matter is, this wasn't a violent boy with respect to the cops. He came out of the car and was blown away within three seconds. That was the issue. It wasn't that he had three warrants. That is to, that is to put smokes and mirrors away. That kid did not deserve to be murdered by the cop. And anybody who listened to that woman this morning and don't understand what has been going on and what our DA did, and the reason why the activist community has come out in support for this woman. Don't get it. It's time to get it. Anyway, folks, please support the program. There are several ways to support the program. Of course, you can go ahead and go to politicsandright.com slash support, politicsandright.com slash support. But please, I ask you to, uh, to become a paid subscriber of our newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter. If you become a paid support, you get to read all of my books free of charge. Moreover, all my subsequent books, I have three of them that I'm writing right now. You will have full access to those free of charge as well. Anyway, I got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right, and you guys know how I end this. Baby, I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.